0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio
1: and I am Mary
0: and we will be your lore masters for this week. We are talking Spelljammer. We are talking D&D in space. The new set was just released. And we're we're going to give you the 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 what's up and the heads up and the rundown and the what mm-hmm. have you all about mm-hmm.
1: it. Yes.
0: We're yes, going yes, to cover yes. uh some of the lore that's uh that's been implemented as a result of this set. We're gonna talk some of the new we're gonna talk the new races, some of the new monsters. Mm-hmm, There's the, mm-hmm. it's quite a bit. I mean, it's three different books, it's quite a bit of different information. Uh so let's just go ahead and let's let's dive right into it. Let's or is it space, so let's float into it? That's, I don't know.
1: I mean, gravity counts.
0: Gravity does count. It don't, is gravity. Don't forget that gravity counts.
1: It does, unfortunately. Even in space.
0: Every D&D world, whether round, flat, or some other shape, exists in an airless void known as wild space. A world might be solitary or it might have neighbors, one or more suns, worlds, moons, asteroids, comets, or other bodies this neighborhood of celestial and planetary bodies is called a wild space system. So that's the general idea behind the kind of spell jammer and, and how it's set up. So let's talk about wild space first and foremost. So when you leave your planet, you begin to travel through wild space sort of, it's sort of what you, uh, what we traditionally think of as space. Like when we look up, and see, like you know, um, the stars and in, in at night are big and bright.
1: Deep in the heart of Texas, I couldn't
0: help myself.
1: <laughs> it's fine. You it, by law, we're required to. Uh, and so,
0: wild space is where the astral plane overlaps with the material plane. Because once you travel past wild space, you then enter the astral sea. But mm-hmm. every world of the material plane is situated in wild space or more precisely its own wild space system and creatures and objects in wild space age normally and exist on both planes simultaneously, like both planes being the material plane and the astral plane. So like I said, once you exit wild space, you start to enter the astral plane and you enter the astral sea. The astral sea like wild space is a void. And as you reach the edge of the system, you begin to see a faint silvery haze. So the further you travel away from your planet or from a planet in general, the closer you get to the astral sea and you'd be able to see the beginning of it because of this haze. And so by traveling into this haze, you pass from wild space into the astral sea or also known as the silver void, which I like. I think it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I like the I like that term for it.
0: The deeper into the Astral Sea you travel, the thicker and brighter the haze becomes. Uh many gods have dominions in the Astral Sea, and these locations typically take the form of uh floating islands or cities of fantastic proportions. The Astral Sea is also where you can find the petrified remains of dead gods who were slain mm. by more powerful entities or who have lost all their mortal worshipers and perished as a result so that's, that's so pretty dramatic. cool so it's very dramatic yeah <gasps> so
1: no one's paying attention to me i guess i'll just die
0: <laughs> so for all the emo <laughs> gods out there uh <laughs> there you can find them floating around uh at the astral sea
1: mm-hmm, uh,
0: mm-hmm. or if they just you know got got by another more powerful god that's true that's true uh, they
1: could have got got
0: I do love that no one's paid attention to me. I'm just gonna die. <laughs> uh, so yeah, these dead gods look like gigantic, nondescript stone statues mm-hmm. that um, actually bear little resemblance to the to the divine entity it once was. So uh, it could be mistaken for your average, you know, floating like comet right. or space debris, whatever it may be. Right. Uh, another cool aspect about the astral sea is that you can actually breathe normally and exist indefinitely, never aging and never needing food or drink. And together, wild space and the astral sea comprise the astral plane. So the, the idea that you can't, that you don't that, well I mean that you don't need oxygen in the traditional sense
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, is in the astral sea is different from wild space where you absolutely need to breathe to live uh conversely in a wild space each creature has a finite air envelope sort of air bubble uh, right. depending on their size and it's usually it usually only lasts about a minute um like i mean I essentially think of it as kind of like holding your breath mm-hmm. uh, which makes traveling via spell jamming ship necessary uh you right. need the the bubble that uh envelops a spell jammer ship
1: mm-hmm. um
0: but that being said that that air envelope isn't around the ship itself isn't infinite either. it extends an equal length to its longest dimension in every direction and creates this this envelope, this bubble so if a ship is a hundred feet wide and fifty feet tall and two hundred feet long then its air envelope will extend 200 feet around the ship in every direction since that's its longest dimension. So going from, you know, from side to side, back and forth, up and down, it's going to be an extra 200 feet. And this is all based on if the ship has a full crew, the fresh air in a spell jamming ship and its envelope lasts about 120 days and then becomes foul. Uh, breathing foul air causes the poisoned effect to take uh, hold on your character. And then 120 days after that, the air becomes deadly.
1: So very slow carbon monoxide poisoning.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like what, that's, what is that, like four months? Yeah. yeah. And then when two air envelopes overlap, the smaller of the two takes on the quality of the larger. So you could have a ship whose air uh, is either already become foul or is about to become foul it could actually go into the air envelope of a larger ship who has good air and or fresh air and will take reset on Reset itself yeah reset itself which is pretty hmm. cool uh or a planet for that matter oh, no. uh, although non magical fire- exi- uh, cannot exist in the vacuum of a wild space magical fire such as though that created by like a fireball spell it mm-hmm. uh you can have that however it doesn't burn in the vacuum so it doesn't um like it won't continue that um that like you know continue damage from uh, you right. know, the burning effect so it's just the one the shot It'll, one
1: initial thing
0: and then sort of like dissipate right mm
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. makes sense um,
0: yeah because like i mean it, it it doesn't cost objects to burst into flame but uh because there's no air to make ignition possible so a little bit of science in this sort of fantasy realm <laughs> Speaking, you, you're talking about part. That's what's it.
1: that? So that's the one scientific part of D and D. The but one, fire like... can't burn in space without oxygen. Okay, just so
0: it's just saying, all right. So, you we we gave the scientists the one thing.
1: We gave them one thing.
0: <laughs> you mentioned uh that gravity counts. Gravity does right. count in wild space and on the astral plane. Gravity is an accommodating force mm-hmm. in that the direction of its effect seems to be and the Quote in the book, quote, that which is most convenient. So for an object the size of a planet or a moon, gravity pulls everything toward the center of the body, right. meaning that creatures can stand upright anywhere on the surface and dropped objects fall perpendicular to the surface they land on. So exactly how gravity works, works. in real Here. life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for smaller objects, such as spacecraft, gravity doesn't radiate from a point, but rather from a plane that cuts horizontally through the object and extends out as far as its air envelope An objects gravity plane is two directional, meaning that a creature can stand upright on the bottom of a ship's hull upside down from the perspective of those elsewhere on the ship and move around as easily as it were walking around on the top deck. So essentially, I mean, I mean, if you could imagine like if you're going to walk around a planet if you could mm-hmm. just like you know walk around the surface right. it doesn't matter like you know you would still continue to like you wouldn't fall over like the further like south right. you got right or
1: you would stay upright the entire time you were walking there wouldn't be like a pivot point where you'd have to switch to the other side or anything of that nature
0: exactly and that's how it works like on a ship or uh, an asteroid like the Uh, like the Rock of Brawl, which we'll discuss here in a little bit, Mm -hmm. Uh, you just continue walking and gravity sort of, you know, does the work for you.
1: Does its things.
0: And much like air envelopes, when two gravity planes, when the gravity planes of two ships intersect, both separate gravity planes exist until the ships actually touch, and then the gravity plane of the the ship with more hit points, or more hole points, regardless of size, takes over the other. So a little bit different than air envelopes.
1: So you definitely want to give the crew warning. Hey, you're going to be on the underside of a ship, but we're going to be docking soon. So <laughs> maybe get back up here in 15. Otherwise you're just going to fall
0: right on right. your face. <laughs> uh, in any location where gravity isn't present, the following rules apply. So you have impeded melee when making a melee attack with a weapon, a creature that doesn't have a flying or swimming speed, either naturally or provided by magic has Mm -hmm. disadvantage on the attack roll unless the weapon deals piercing damage. And as far as movement goes, a creature can use an action to push off something heavier than itself and move up to its walking, flying, or swimming speed in a straight line. The creature continues along this course, moving in a straight line at its speed on each of its turns until something stops it or changes its trajectory. So... Kind of like what you would, like, you know, like the zero gravity. Zero
1: gravity, yeah. Yeah.
0: That you see, like, in, you know, Apollo 13, them kind of floating, like, kind mm-hmm. of, like, you know, pushing off and floating mm-hmm. in one direction. So so how does spell jamming work? How, how how can we make these ships go from from point A to point B? So a spell jamming ship requires a spell jamming helm in order to be piloted. That's about the same as it was back in the AD&D mm-hmm. days customarily takes the form of an ornate chair in which the ship's pilot who was also called the spelljammer uh and must be a spellcaster so that's a little bit different before it was um just about anyone could pilot the ship as long mm-hmm. as they had the abilities but this one has to be a spellcaster which i mean you know there are several you know that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a wizard or a sorcerer or a warlock you know uh you know rangers at a certain level are spellcasters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm it's true. Uh when cruising through space a spell jamming ship can travel 100 million miles in 24 hours. It's a lot of miles mm-hmm. in a day.
1: It's just so far.
0: And there I've been seeing criticism of uh like, you know, let's say it's uh course correction are obviously needed throughout the trip uh which can cause space sickness which is sort of like you know sea or, or motion throats, sickness yeah. 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 Uh when a ship comes close, which says DM's discretion to something big enough to have its own air envelope and gravity plane, it automatically flo- slows to its flying speed. And there were there's been a, a lot of criticism that there wasn't there isn't enough um like guidance when coming like when it comes to traveling between systems or between locations. Okay. Um, which I can definitely I can understand, you know, wanting a little bit more. But at the same time, you know, there's, you know, there's space is really infinite and you can pretty there's much put whatever you options. want in there.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's, it seems like a lot more of the more recent material is being left that way to where it's like, here's some basic ideas, you can do the rest. Right. Like they, and it's the anticipation that there's some homebrew or house rules being used with it.
0: And that's exactly, you know, what, You know, and I I could see, like, understand, like, you know, them including something and then with a caveat, hey, and if you come up with something else, like, by all means, disregard this.
1: Right. But most of it says that DM's discretion is pretty frequently used throughout most content, though, at this point.
0: And I feel it's been used throughout D&D's history. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But there could be asteroids, planets, planets, Kindori, which are the giant space whales, uh, or even other ships that will cause the spell jamming ship to slow down. Uh, Much like the previous edition, spell jamming ships can have more than one helm on board, but only one can be used at a time. And this is cool. If someone wants to take control of the ship by using the secondary helm, a spell jammer duel ensues. I thought that was pretty neat too. It's very cool. It's opposed constitution checks with the mm-hmm. lowest losing and then taking 1d4 levels of exhaustion. Uh, they also lose attunement to the helm immediately and then cannot attune again uh, uh, to either that helm or any other helm until all their exhaustion has been removed. And this was something that I I thought was a bit plain. Like I would love to come up with a simple yet effective system of making this spelljammer duel like, more tense.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: You know, as opposed to just a single constitution check, maybe a series of checks and like, you know, best like three out of five or something.
1: So that checks would be interesting. Yeah. Or to do a, there was a, in part of the Spelljammer Academy stuff that was released, there is a, like a, like a hologram simulation type thing as a duel. That I think is where I would go with it. I would have an actual duel and see like have them certain number of rounds or whatever and then at the end of it whoever came out on top would come out on top
0: right no yeah like sort of like a in their like mind's eye sort mm-hmm. of uh little like little like mini mini fight
1: yeah like a small small miniature fight type thing
0: so a creature can get to where it wants to go just by thinking of its destination at which point it becomes aware of the most direct route to that location. Now this sort of awareness doesn't reveal how safe that route is. So it won't reveal if, right. you know, if there's a asteroid field or if there are space pirates or space clowns, uh, you know, oh God, no. directly on the way. Um, but this idea of being able to like, think of where you want to go is uh, also used because a creature like doesn't necessarily need a vessel to travel through the astral plane. In this realm, a traveler has the option of propelling itself by thought alone. The more intelligent a creature is, the faster it can move. A creature that chooses to move in this fashion can move in any direction at a flying speed in feet equal to five times its intelligence score. Huh. Which, that's got like... Like, you know, the end of Star Wars where like the Millennium, the Millennium Falcon comes in and shoots Vader's TIE fighter and it just kind of spins off mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and then you like never know like, you know, what happens to it. Like uh, mm-hmm. I got huge, like, you know, that made me think of that when coming up with this, like you're involved in a battle and one of your enemies sort of, you know, ends up floating off and then ends up. Finding you like and traveling through the astral sea on its own and on its own intelligence on its own thoughts, like perhaps like a year or two later, (laughs) like just traveling like trying to find your party again to take revenge, like not you know traveling a ship just floating on his own. Oh gosh! Like the, the the tenacity of that.
1: That is like a serious revenge story too. I like it. I like it. I'm That's immediately
0: what I thought of. I don't know what that says about me as a person or my i mean my uh mental uh your faculties you know, yeah my where <laughs> I am mentally, but there you go um so we have different types of spell jamming ships, a lot of them yep. um or most of them are from you know are taken from the original spelljammer from advanced d and d you know your dams will fly, your hammerhead. your you're not aloy tyrant ship, you know other classics that are, have returned. Uh, some of them have different names, like the uh, what was known as the tradesman back then is now known as a flying fish ship, uh, and then we have um, like some lesser known uh, throwbacks, like the turtle ship that looks just like that. a giant turtle. It's awesome.
1: It's so silly and absurd, but I like it. I like the, the idea of a sea turtle ship just kind of like flying through space that way, the way they move through water.
0: It's a real and, pretty image. <laughs> And then we have uh, a new ship, which is known as the Living Ship, which has a fully grown tree ant on the aft deck, which allows the spell jamming ship to completely like replenish its fresh air supply. Like it almost never has to. Yeah, never, never has to dock to you know make sure that it uh, its air doesn't turn foul, which I thought was pretty cool. And then plus, it's got like this giant tree, like you know tree creature.
1: Yeah that's really neat that one i thought was really pretty they did remove the uh our, our silliest ship dwarven citadel does not look like it made the cut
0: didn't make the cut unfortunately i mean they had they they decided to use their full stock of silliness on the space clowns i feel
1: they did they did Ugh. Ugh.
0: <laughs> they they poured all the silliness into that
1: <laughs> sure silliness to, to your scariest. chagrin Dagnabbit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, One of the main, uh, I guess, like campaign, uh, one of the main campaign setting locales is known as Brawl, a.k.a. The Rock, which is a floating asteroid city. So some of the lore behind Brawl is that it was founded about 200 years ago by legendary space pirate Captain Brawl. So named it after himself, which is not in the least egotistical.
1: No, of course not. Uh totally it started, valid.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, I I'm going to found this place. I'm going to name it after myself. Uh it was it started off initially as a safe haven for outlaws and scoundrels and the like, you know, a place to for uh, a place of refuge for the for the
1: for piracy and whatnot. Yeah, for I the like less than very,
0: uh legal uh very, maneuver, you know, maneuvering folks to
1: golden age of pirates, Madagascar esque. There like you go. IRL. Yeah. I like that a lot.
0: And then it eventually evolved into a full-fledged city of trade. Mm-hmm. The current history is that, you know, through some strategic alliances and business deals, a gentleman known as Captain Kozar consolidated enough power to crown himself the first prince of Brawl. So I guess that's how that works. If uh, you have enough power, you can just say like, "Hey, I'm running stuff now."
1: Just so you know, I'm in charge now, thanks.
0: Just so you know, uh, I'm also the prince. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: When he passed, his son, uh, by the name of Frun, took over, but he squandered everything his father built. When he died, uh, his firstborn son, when Frun died, his firstborn son, Kalar, took over, but was found dead soon after, floating in the wild space outside the city. Which oh. is very suspicious because uh, then the rule then passed to Kalar's brother, Andrew, mm-hmm. who still rules today.
1: Did he not arrest immediately afterward? I thought that I had read that he had um, immediately arrested and tried people over his brother's death, like really swiftly afterward, which sounded so suspicious to me.
0: I mean, right. Like, it's like, wh- wh- what are you like? what's going on here like why why the why the haste i can understand like wanting to bring justice as quickly as possible Uh
1: that's the perfect cover if you've had someone murdered though
0: it is the perfect cover absolutely so like i said very suspicious very trust this andrew this andrew i mean i mean if he is a descendant of someone who's just sort of like you know you know going to consolidate power and and crown Mm. himself prince it's true but yeah, he's often he's he's likened to his grandfather Prince Kozar, and uh, in the regard that he isn't very easily intimidated, so very like you know, um, uh, I guess like stern person. But yeah. yeah, he um he had a group of quote malcontents arrested and executed for the crime within days.
1: Yeah, so that's a little too fast. No justice system goes that quickly i'm not right. believing that <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh some general information about brawl uh there are two main uh, unwritten rules of the city one is keep your nose out of other people's business not bad advice at all That's
1: good advice
0: uh and the second money talks so keep law enforcement
1: quiet. what's that you can buy it so keep quiet about other people's doings and what they're doing and uh you can buy just about anything you want okay And then
0: if you have a problem with that, refer to rule one.
1: Yeah. Yes. Go back to Uh, rule number one.
0: Law enforcement generally uh, is reserved for more serious crime, like murder, arson, you know, the like Uh, lesser crimes like burglary, even assault uh, are dealt with on a, like on a more personal level, like, you know, sort of like um, you take care of it on your, uh, you know, on your own. Um, four there are four criminal organizations that are headed by uh, underbarons that sort of serve as quote-unquote protection for citizens think sort of like you know the mob or the mafia offering protection to businesses Um, you've got uh, ozamata a lawful evil human who controls the docks and most of the low city Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then there is Meriden Sandyfoot, a neutral good halfling who is headquartered in the neighborhood known as the Burrows, which is a halfling enclave and holds sway over craftspeople. The Juggler, a chaotic good elf who oversees a network of swindlers and minstrels. Her real name is Kyria Evensong, and she runs the Juggler's Folk Guildhouse. And then finally, the Unknowable One. Within the cavernous interior of the Rock, wolves a mysterious underbaron who specializes in smuggling this underbaron a mind flayer breeds intellect devourers and uses them to turn Braulian's citizens into spies so not terrifying in the least
1: no of course not he sounds like a fun guy
0: Uh, a mushroom
1: yeah no wait behold (laughs) a mushroom
0: So I mentioned low city, uh, which is where, um, which is what, you know, uh, Ozamata controls most of the -hmm. city is split into three sections. There's low city, which is at the like front edge, the leading edge of the asteroid. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, working class. Um, It's got taverns, boarding houses, shops, got a lot of beggars and peddlers and thieves in low city. And it is virtually unpoliced as far as um you know the 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 actual like you know law enforcement um right. it's like those four factions that really control things around there and as a result like you know control most of the crime like if something happens it's because it was at the behest of one of the underbarons and <laughs> the most well known destination is a tavern Called Beyond the Happy Beholder, which is run by a very jovial beholder, believe it or not.
1: I love it. I do. I love all the horror monsters. And I love seeing them be something slightly different, like the unexpected, like a happy beholder. Yes, I love it.
0: (laughs) And then you've got Middle City, which is the economic heart of Brawl. You have many thriving businesses ready to aid adventurers in their exploits. Uh, such as the aforementioned jugglers folk guild house. You've also got the great market, which is this like chaotic expanse of small vendors, uh, street performers, merchants, you know, customers of all descriptions. Uh, it's pretty much the hub of middle city and then other places it. like, um, like the Smith's Coster, which is the most, the largest and most successful merchant company um, that's based in brawl. And so, like I said, it, it Middle City, like like I said before, is really the economic heart of Brawl. Right. Whereas so, High Go ahead.
1: Is, it's the place between where, you know, all the low lives and then, of course, the folks in High City where everything kind of meets in the middle.
0: Right. It's uh, High City is at the, 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 the back end or the trailing edge of the asteroid. It's very posh, very ritzy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's home to nobles' estates, you know, the finest inns, the temples. Uh, it also is the location of the royal palace, which, knows, which is known as Starhaven. Haven. Uh, it is a walled compound overlooking Lake Brawl. So yeah, it's it's a even even the best uh, properties in space in fantasy are lakeside properties. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, wonder if it's harder to find a lakeside property on a giant asteroid. It's probably going to be I would insane guess insane so, yeah. amount of money
0: and so uh, so uh, yeah we're talking about how gravity is um sort of you know works to where you can kind of like walk quote unquote upside down mm-hmm. you can actually walk to on the underside of the asteroid however it's off limits to visitors uh it houses most of the city's crops and military outposts it's
1: not and- a bad idea it's a pretty good layout pretty solid layout i think
0: and I mentioned when speaking of the Unnoble One that there is a cavernous interior; uh, it's a maze of twisting tunnels. Um, and from from what most people understand, there isn't much in there. However, obviously, you know we do have a mind flayer who has set up shop there, and uses the virtual solitude to, you know, do whatever it wants. I like it, we've got that lore for brawl. We've got different um, like uh, wild space systems and that ties into the adventure, the light of Zorixis adventure, which is inspired in large part by Flash Gordon, like both the 1980s movie and the old serialized comic strip, sort of like the the movie itself, sort of like the kind of like bombastic, like over the top, like space Mm -hmm. tropes. Like this isn't trying to be Star Trek by any stretch. Uh, and then also the old serialized comic strip because you know they wanted people to keep coming back for the next installment and so it seemed like almost every strip ended on some sort of cliffhanger which is how they designed the 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 adventure campaign is that each sort of each chapter sort of ends on that cliffhanger so so players you know will be excited to come back for the next session you know as opposed to Mm -hmm traditionally you know uh a session will end like oh we've killed the big bad and you level up all right see you next week you know and then you're like okay cool yeah. that was fun this is you know that leads you you know thinking like oh crap what, what's going to happen next
1: use that little more motivation to help prevent those uh scheduling conflicts that we all tend to run aground on
0: the true big bad of D is
1: scheduling conflicts
0: Jeez. Oh, um so the light of xerix is not to get into spoilers or anything but it deals with um the uh this planet that sort of uses this um i don't know this um energy source or uh to essentially suck the 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 life out of another planet to to fuel mm-hmm. itself um and that's there are Theories that the doom space uh, system is actually what was not what, what was once uh, the dark sun like campaign setting. Uh, uh-huh. In fact, when oh. there is an image in uh, in the book that sort of, it's like a, a, a map of sorts of this different systems. Mm-hmm. And when that was originally released as sort of like a teaser, uh it didn't say doom space it said at this space which is the planet that dark sun took place on and then it was quickly removed and then changed to doom space and so there are some and then there are other um sort of allusions to dark sun in that in the advanced dungeons and dragons days one couldn't travel to that dark sun wild space system uh, for one reason or another like it was in in game it was you know the, the you couldn't penetrate its crystal sphere for some reason right. and that was for obvious reasons like you know like you know a, a last episode bipolar mentioned it would sort of like break like the like the uh like uh, uh idea or like the aesthetic of this you know post-apocalyptic mad max meets dnd yeah. uh like, look! If all of a sudden you see um, Dwarven Citadel fly in, <laughs> and so like that, and like Ravenloft was also one of those that you know kind of couldn't couldn't be reached via spelljammer, right. and so there is an, a there is a reference to a crystal that was shattered by the gods, which then allowed you know entry to and from, and so more or less that that sort of. Uh, unofficial canon right now that Doom Space mm-hmm. is is at this, is is a Dark Sun, and has been, um, you know, it's obviously it's called Doom Space. It's not a very pleasant place to be anymore.
1: It's not a Fun place to go, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: as a result of you know what is going on in the adventure, and so for all of y'all, um, dark and myself included, hoping for a Dark Sun fifth edition revival, um, I think that's I think it's gonna be a no from from wizard's dog oh i know it's sad it's I'm, a very I'm so sorry <laughs> i know i know it's very sad um but yeah it deals with like the adventure itself uh seems like a lot of fun because like i said every chapter sort of ends on a cliffhanger sort of like you know what's going to happen next in the light of xerixis and wow. deals with um having to stop this uh this force from destroying more planets. So I, I I I can't wait to play it. And what's cool is that like each the the way it's set up is that each chapter should only be like one session or so. So you should be yeah, able I think to it finish like two it. to
1: four hours each. Yeah. So you know, it,
0: so you should be able to finish it if you're playing, you know, once a week or even once a month. You could definitely finish it within a year, which for a full like campaign like one year is fast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, I thought so. I was like, that sounds so fast. It's so quick.
0: But uh, that being said, let's go ahead and head to the middle of the show. And when we come back, we'll talk some uh, some races and monsters. Yes. Hello and welcome to the middle of the show. Uh, the middle of the show is where we thank patrons, and talk about all the latest D&D news. And I I swear, like, every week I feel like, okay, well, next week won't have as much stuff to talk about.
1: We have been getting slammed (laughs) with new and awesome and amazing stuff. It is just wonderful.
0: And so, first and foremost, let's thank our patrons. Um, We want to thank uh, our patrons for Signing up on patreon.com slash DD Lorecast and supporting the show financially. It allows us to do a lot of cool stuff with the show. Um, we're working on new merchandise. We're working yep. on uh getting the magic item of the week uh set up and ready for the DMs guild. And mm-hmm. that kind of assistance definitely helps out with that. If you're interested in doing so, we have tiers as low as five bucks all the way up to 75. You can go to patreon.com slash DD Lorecast. And if you are unable to do that and you still want to support the show, you can do so. You can tell a friend. Mm-hmm. You can leave five star reviews on Spotify or Apple. You can uh, interact with us on Twitter at DD Lorecast or join the Robots Radio Network Discord and chat with us on the DD text channel. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that you can support the show if you're a fan. Yep. And we appreciate every single bit of it.
1: Very, very much so. You are, it wouldn't be possible without our patrons.
0: Uh, for sure. Like, I mean, I would still be talking about uh, D&D nonstop. Yeah. One way or another. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. this way we can also, like I said, could do cool stuff. Like put, put out like, you know, cool designs on t-shirts.
1: Yes.
0: And as far as the cool stuff to talk about this week, um, nothing big. Just uh, you know, uh, play testing for the new edition of D and not, D. Nothing huge.
1: It's just a little thing. It's yeah, just a just, little
0: thing. That the you know, the play test for you know one D and D, uh, which feels a lot like five point five edition. Yeah,
1: That's where it uh, felt like it was going to me too.
0: You know, rather than a full blown sixth edition, because you know they say that everything that you have for fifth edition is going to be compatible. Mm-hmm. Well, the first unearthed arcana for it. Uh, which covers character origins is now out on D and D Beyond. We won't cover it uh, too in depth here, but one of the cool things I I love about it is that like half elves and half orcs are no longer like standard like playable races like off rip. Mm-hmm. Instead, now you can have a character that's like half of anything. Like you can have a half gnome half elf or a half orc Mm uh half uh um tiefling and it comes up with simple rules on how to create those those races yes and and they're still even flexible enough that like my half orc half tiefling might not be the same as your half orc half tiefling which again it's
1: definitely more customizable um as far as that goes like it's Like you got the DLC for all the unlockable options. No, yeah. It's it's, what it feels like.
0: And sort of like just, you know, continues that idea that, you know, like not every person of every race is the exact same.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: They Mm -hmm. also announced uh, during this like two hour long, like, you know, wizards thing that had a lot to do with Magic the Gathering as well, but tons of D&D stuff.
1: I am so excited for this.
0: (laughs) Uh, They announced uh, D&D official virtual tabletop uh, yes. It's a 3D virtual tabletop that's running off the oh. Unreal Engine, which is which is looks amazing. gnarly.
1: I am so excited because I I do play exclusively digitally. I have never once played in person played D and D. All of mine has been digital, and I have I have really really high hopes for this to be a viable virtual tabletop that will be easy enough to use that it doesn't take hours and hours to set up and make something because that does it becomes a slog and it's not everybody has the time to spend you know a week prepping for a two-hour session so i'm hoping that this is going to kind of help bind all of that together and i'm very excited to see where this goes with it being already connected it should be easy to import everything that you need so
0: and I think the fact lost. that that it is like coming straight from mm-hmm. D and is like you know their their you know big thing, especially with fifth edition, seems to be like let's you know make it as fun and you know as quick to learn as possible, so that yeah. you can can start playing as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've also announced that uh, because they acquired D and D Beyond uh, earlier this year have announced that they are now doing physical and digital bundles, starting with Dragonlance Shadow of the Dragon Queen, which comes out December sixth. However, if you pre order it, if you pre-order the bundle off of D D Beyond, you will get the, your physical copy in the mail, you know, when it comes out. But you'll also get the digital version two weeks early. So a little, you know, incentive to order it from them.
1: I, that's another thing I'm very excited about because I tend to lean more towards digital copies, but I do want the hard copies too. Like I, I want both and I pretty, uh, pretty on board with that Been saying that for a couple of years now that they should have a bundle type thing. So
0: no, same. I mean, I'm, I'm the opposite in that I can't live without my physical copies. (laughs) Um, but I do like, I, you know, the, the obsessive compulsion to own physical copies that part Mm -hmm. of me uh coupled with the part of me who loves the convenience of having digital copies like having literally Mm -hmm. like every rule book in the palm of my hand on a tablet Mm -hmm. uh is very happy with the part of me that is also like uh doesn't like spending uh money like it doesn't like (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) Uh, that part and, of
1: me usually wins—the part that doesn't like spending the money—and
0: so she this this picks. announcement of having a physical digital bundle is like it, it fits <laughs> all the needs, and I'm here for it. It
1: does, it does. I feel like that's going to be a massively positive change for literally everybody that plays. I think that'll open that up to more people as well, which is awesome.
0: They also announced the books that will be coming out in 2023. So early 2023, we've got keys from the Golden Vault Vault, which is an adventure anthology. Oh. Uh spring 2023 is Big B presents Glory of the Giants, which sounds like it's going to be a giant race guide, like you know, a, a guide on how to play giants, like as a character, you know, as as player characters. And That's it'll probably include some kind of adventure as well, right? Yeah. Uh summer 2023 the fan delver uh adventure that is in the starter set uh mm-hmm. will become a full-blown campaign That's and awesome. then in fall 2023 we've got the book of many things which is uh i'm guessing some sort of like item guide sort of like xanathar's guide to everything uh but with like a ton of like different like magic items and like cool stuff that you can implement into your into your campaign and we've got the return of planescape officially announced yes and that's exciting we, we've been planning on planescape for a while now and we'll we're going to get started on it so uh by the time planescape planescape comes out late next year everyone mm-hmm. listening to the D&D lore lorecast will be fully versed on what to expect or at least an idea of what to expect because yeah obviously they're going to change some things
1: oh yeah for sure
0: uh there's so much stuff to talk about so uh kids uh released their icons of the realms dragonlance uh for pre-order their minis to for that there's a link in the show notes to check those out and then also uh, there is a spell jams playlist which uh was released when spelljammer came out it's a bunch of uh spelljammer themed songs a lot of cool stuff you can like listen to it on spotify or like apple music or whatever uh they've also they're also releasing uh vinyls um uh, that are available for pre-order now uh i immediately uh i'm somewhat of a vinyl fan and so i immediately uh pre-ordered the the limited edition like galaxy covered one <laughs> i couldn't help myself um
1: they're they, beautiful they're they, going to be so beautiful
0: going to look so great um and, like, I mean, it's a DD and d record. I mean, of course you're going to buy it.
1: Of course you're going to buy it.
0: Uh, and so, yeah, so since speaking of Spelljammer, let's head on over to the DMs Guild for our DMs Guild Corner of the Week. Uh, Spelljammer's Ooh. Guide to the Galaxy. Love it. It's got that sort of, like, 80s sort of vibe, like, retro aesthetic to it. It is a 58-page book filled with options for players and DMs alike. For the players, you get three different races, the Astral Genasi, the Metamorph, and the Lumen, as well as 20 space-faring subclasses uh, uh, spanning every class, uh, including the Prism. You have cybernetics and mutations to enhance and alter your character, plus new spells. And for the Dungeon Master, you have Wild Space Environments to help spice up your encounters, you have um spay it uh new monsters to challenge your players with plus new magic items it's uh okay. on sale now for nine ninety five I mean if you are trying to you know whenever I love like you know part of why I love new book day new uh D D book day is because I love to see like what the homebrew community is coming up with.
1: It's, yeah yeah that's fair <laughs>
0: And so there's there's actually a, quite a bit of different spelljammer stuff already available. Um, but this was the one that really piqued my interest. But like yeah, if you go to DM's Guild now, I'm pretty sure that its header is still um, yeah, it says, you know, the the banner is expand your adventures in wild space with community created titles. And you've got a list of, you know, a couple dozen different like, you know, new Spelljammer stuff, which is definitely worth awesome. the uh the look see. Um links to everything that we talked about are in the show notes check it out if you have any questions yep. about it like i said you can hit us up at dndlorecast lorecast on twitter or you can email us dndlorecast at yep. gmail.com uh it's just a ton of stuff ton of cool stuff like and i, I swear would like you every-
1: say cybernetics cybernetics would apply to robocop
0: cybernetics would apply to robocop okay or okay. just uh
1: and you'll there.
0: you'll you'll know exactly why we discussed RoboCop when you listen to our <laughs> patron chat next week.
1: Exactly, but, uh, gotta find out.
0: That's a little teaser for next week for the patron chat. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, a lot of cool stuff. So check it out in the show notes. If you have any questions, holler at us. We love to talk D and D with, uh, with uh, our listeners. And that being said, let's head on over to the end of the show. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Now, uh we're going to continue our Spelljammer coverage. We're talking races now. Brand new races. There are 6 to choose from in Spelljammer. Uh let's just get right into it and start discussing them. The first is the Astral Elf. Uh Astral Elves are elves that have been living in the Astral Sea for hundreds or even thousands or even millions of years. And The same way that elves, you know, see how elves are more susceptible to being changed by their environment. Uh, You know, this also applies to these elves in the astral sea. So, like, think, you know, wood elves, you know, they're spending all the time Mm -hmm. in forested areas. You know, they sort of adapt to where they are. And it's no different with astral elves and the astral sea. So, they initially traveled to the astral plane as sort of a pilgrimage in order to be closer to their gods and like githyanki they can gain a different skill proficiency each day as part of their trance so if they engage in their trance they can decide like oh i want skill proficiency in uh, in healing or in medicine checks you know today uh and then the next right. day they can choose something else and they have built an empire which is a major focal point of the light of Xryxus adventure, like they might or might not be uh the force you are fighting, the force that is trying to destroy planets,
1: oh goodness,
0: um, but yeah, so All it's right. you know typical sort of elf um traits apply you know dark vision um. Right. you know they, they can avoid being charmed um, they ha- as a bonus act they have a, something known as starlight step as a bonus action they can magically teleport up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space that they can see uh, and they can use this trait a number of times equal to their proficiency bonus and then you regain all uses when you finish a long rest. And then like I said, once um, when they enter their astral trance, they can become proficient in a one skill of their choice, which is pretty cool.
1: So they would essentially then not, wouldn't they be like not invincible? Why is my brain losing words? It's uh, like they wouldn't be able to die. They couldn't age, right? Because living in the astral sea. So they ageless, timeless beings that just exist forever. Exactly. Oh, that is terrifying.
0: Yes. Like I said, they some could be up to a million years old.
1: So everything else to them must just look like the blink of an eye.
0: Yeah. I mean, as, as even more so. Yeah, as I guess. Elves. Exactly. Absolutely.
1: Goodness. Okay, what else? So we after that, I was um I was really excited by these. I think they're adorable, but I feel that way about all the horrible monsters too, and <laughs> all the horrifying races. So you know, drew it at heart, I guess. Um, so we have plasmoids, which are, is quoted direct quote from the book you are an ooze <laughs> it is a giant blob amorphous being no typical shape um they try to kind of squish their bodies into whatever shape of their party members i suppose to kind of blend in i guess um they don't eat the way regular folks do they consume food by osmosis kind of like a, like an amoeba um, they breathe through the pores in their skin as well um, they don't have internal organs plasma like ooze creatures and uh and, and then basically a cluster of nerves that allows them to detect you know light heat pain vibration sound textures of things and go about it that way um, when they sleep they lose their rigidity and just kind of like spread out there's kind of like blah, everywhere little splute things um i essentially you could create flubber (laughs) i was gonna say like i thought of
0: it more like the t1000 but you could say it's flubber
1: (laughs) my brain went to flubber immediately there's two kinds of people i guess um but yeah they dark vision can hold their breath for an hour which is really useful especially in space um and they have the ability to shape themselves into whatever sort of a humanoid the size they're supposed to be. I think they're pretty, pretty neat.
0: You are an ooze.
1: You are an ooze. Well, that's been called worse, but okay.
0: <laughs> Up next, we have the Thrycreen, which is an insectile folk who have actually been in the game since the original edition, but they're most famously known for the dark sun campaign setting uh they don't speak they actually uh, communicate telepathically they have this um um, ability to um not only communicate with themselves telepathically but to interact with other folk they also rely on this form of of communication uh they have extra limbs they have like um two pairs of arms and they these extra arms can hold objects and even wield light weapons. So multi-attack. Hello. Uh, oh my gosh. Their carapace allows for camouflage. They're like, um, sort of like, um, uh, their body, like armor, sort of like you know that they have. It uh, mm-hmm. think like a chameleon. Like it'll change color to blend into the environment oh and then, like i said that's the,
1: terrifying
0: exactly no and like i said the you can wear armor on top of that but when you're not wearing armor your carapace still gives you a uh ac of 13 plus your dex modifier so you need not wear Oh, that's awesome yeah you need not wear armor at all as a threat um sleepless don't require sleep uh so you you know who is automatic watch whenever you're doing a long rest in the party and the way that oh, telepathy yeah. works is um uh, and uh you can't speak but instead you use tele, tele, telepathy to convey your thoughts you have the magical ability to transmit your thoughts mentally to willing creatures you can see within 120 feet of yourself A contacted creature doesn't need to share a language with you to understand your thoughts, but it must be able to understand at least one language. So it doesn't need to necessarily be the same language, but but they have to know at least one. Um, Your telepathic link to a creature is broken if you and the creature move more than 120 feet apart um, or if either of you is incapacitated or mentally breaks the contact one way or another. And then we've got the Hadozi, which are, it's kind of like if you crossed a monkey with a flying squirrel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And these are, so the first Hadozi were timid mammals that were no bigger than a house cat. Uh, But now they range anywhere from small to uh, medium creatures. And uh, like, I mean, like, yeah, they, like I said, they look like monkeys, but with like those like. I don't know what, like, sort of, like, flying squirrel? Like
1: skin flaps. Skin flaps. Or skin <laughs> flaps. I don't know what else to call them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it, it allows them to glide through the air, like, skin just like Rocky. membranes,
1: according to the book. Skin membranes.
0: There you go. Skin flaps. Skin membranes. <laughs> skin flaps. <laughs> uh, they actually uh, are not original to D&D. They actually showed up in a different TSR game called Star Frontier. Oh, Um, Like monkeys, they have dexterous feet, and so as a bonus action, you can use your feet to manipulate an object, open or close a door or container, or pick up or set down a tiny object. Uh, They have um, what's known as Hadozy Resilience, which is uh, the magic that runs in your veins, heightens natural defenses. When you take damage, you can use your reaction to roll a d6 add your proficiency bonus to the number rolled and you reduce the damage you take by that amount, uh, to the amount equal to that total. And so, I mean, and that's a reaction. So that's once per turn, which is pretty cool.
1: That's impressive. Uh,
0: Yeah. At least, uh, equal to your proficiency bonus. You can use it that many times through your proficiency bonus and then you expend all uses when you finish a long rest. So definitely be uh, mindful as when you want to use that, like, Use that when uh when your enemy mm-hmm. gets that crit on you for sure.
1: Would be an amazing monk.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, the first yeah. thing I thought of, oh that'd make a good monk. Hmm.
0: They have one um in the book they have a artist depiction of uh Hadozi as a bard, which is actually like the cutest thing I've ever seen.
1: He's yeah, the artwork for this is of course, again, amazing. They know what they're doing. And it's just, it's great. He looks pretty great. Like a little monk, uh, monkey bard. Monkey bard? Monkey bard. Monkey what else bard. we got? We have auto gnomes. Um, these things are adorable. Um, it's a mechanical being built by rock gnomes. Um, so sometimes they become separated from their creators and kind of go out on an adventure on their own. They usually bear a resemblance to whomever created them. Um, it's programmed to speak and understand Gnomish. Uh, it can be made from all kinds of different things, which I thought was pretty fascinating. Um, the way it's worded in the book is one, Autono might have an actual beating heart in its chest cavity, while another might be powered by stardust or intricate clockwork gears. So they're I mean, just kind that of... That sounds
0: badass.
1: It really does. These, I was very excited about these guys i think they're i'm going to say they're my favorite of the most recent released ones like that's this is top tier to me i think they're great um just like regular gnomes they can live for centuries typically up to about 500 years um so they are small our construct um much like the thrycreen they also have the have a pre-built in armor class of 13 plus your decks modifier. Um, they can uh, built for success i thought was a neat little feature for them um you can add to an attack roll ability check or savings throw after seeing the d20 but before the res- uh before the effects of the roll are resolved so you can just you can do this up to your proficiency bonus so you can just kind of like i don't think that's quite good enough i want to throw this on there which is always fun. Um, They do the centuries rest. So six hours of being inactive, but instead of sleeping, they're completely conscious. So you could have your person watching technically kind of stashed up in the corner, watching what's going on. I love it. Um, I love,
0: I mean, I just love the fact that it could be something as gnarly as like, Oh, my creator, like, you know, his body was dying. And so he put his heart in me. And like so, I literally oh. like am carrying on my creator's heart, or it could oh. be like, oh, this gnome built me out of a bunch of like scraps and like you know junk and stuff. <laughs> like, I love like, it's like both like both ends of the spectrum
1: and anywhere in between, which is again, I love open ended. Like I would, I love the open ended aspects of it, getting to kind of throw your own spin on it, and there, that to me is extremely appealing for that race. And then the last but definitely not least are the GIF, which we did talk about in the previous episode that if you haven't listened to, you should go back and listen to that one too. Right. These the yeah, these
0: these are uh throwbacks from the original A D and D version. Yeah.
1: Um, these are the broad-shouldered hippo folk. Um I tend to lean towards GIF because I don't want to have a GIF versus GIF argument with anybody. But <laughs> you know, if you feel the need to call them GIF, let them be.
0: Um, I mean, I it says that either is acceptable.
1: Well, see, there you go. Both are acceptable. Um, unknown origins, unknown gods. They have something known as an astral spark, which allows them to be extremely proficient with firearms. Um they are just i mean pretty similar to the last variation firearms mastery it's a hippo build so they have strength-based ability checks and saving throws you're gonna have an advantage on because they're just these giant buff dudes um
0: giant buff hippos yeah
1: hippo dudes um, mystical connection firearms which is amazing so you have proficiency with all of them and you get to ignore the loading property for any firearm which has kind of I would think that would be a some people would steer away from it because they don't want to mess with that aspect of it but that seems amazing you also do not have um, disadvantage on long distance attacks with their with any of the firearms so it's you know what you're doing with them and you're good to go so if you want to be a giant space hippo slinging guns this is a i
0: mean like a giant now's your time to shine sniper i mean that sounds i see that you know that uh that you know lack of disadvantage on long you know longer ranges Mm -hmm. than the firearm has like you know a certain firearm you know it's got a range of 120 feet or whatever it may be you want to like do that from 200 feet away you Not yourself, a problem. You got yourself a gift sniper. You've
1: got the guy to do it. Yeah, love They're it. Just love everything about it.
0: So we let's go ahead about and uh, races. we've, yeah, we've talked about some uh, some of the ra- We've talked about the races. Let's talk about some of the monsters.
1: I the monsters there are just so many. So yeah, and we'll definitely
0: things. we'll we'll dip further into the monsters as well as uh yeah. into the into the set as a whole for our Patreon plus installment. Mm -hmm. But uh, for right now, let's just, let's cover a couple
1: of them. Just a couple of them. Okay. So (laughs) there's a few had a hard time narrowing down a couple of them for you guys, because I love all of them. Love all the big, scary things. Always have.
0: There's one you don't love. There's one I don't love. Which I will cover at the end.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. You can just throw them in there wherever and then throw them out the space lock. Um, What? (laughs) So a few that I thought were pretty interesting were the, I'll start with, I guess it's Sirlon. These are disgusting. Um, (laughs) It is a malevolent worm-like creature that lives on the astral plane. They grow up to seven feet long. They have legs that end in hooves and arms that end in little three, uh, three long fingered hands. Um, it's an eyeless head that looks like kind of like an earthworm. Um, but it has a maw that's completely ringed with teeth. So I'm thinking like lamprey is where for the best description I could give you. Um, it's completely disgusting. They are very disgusting. <laughs> they live for thousands of years because, and uh, because they spend most of their time in the deep astral and um, Every so often, they'll leave their strongholds, invade wild space systems, and indulge in a seven year long ceremony called the Feast of Worlds, during which they eat as many sentient life forms as they possibly can before they go home. They're known to work with mind flares. Um, together, they'll collect victims to feed on, um, and they kind of like, I guess, split the body. Mind flare eats the brain. <laughs> they eat the rest of it. No mess, you know. No waste. Of no course. waste.
0: I do appreciate that.
1: I do. I do appreciate. I mean, if you're the going to
0: kill me and eat me, eat all of me, please.
1: Don't. Yeah. Don't. We're not in this economy. You can't afford to waste any of it. Exactly. Um. As they die, though, this part I thought was absolutely horrendous, and this is part of why I chose them. Was <laughs> so when one of them dies, they store this corpse in a safe place as it decays they lay one or more eggs inside it um these hatch 24 hours later each one produces a tiny little bitty guy and for the next seven days they feed these worms feed on the corpse and on each other until only one remains and it crawls out as an adult
0: absolutely disgusting
1: (laughs) they're absolutely disgusting like a
0: lot of D monsters it's kind of like oh well like it's kind of like if you cross this and that and this is i mean you're cross like it's kind of like if you cross a worm with a goat with um a sarlacc i don't know it's absolutely horrendous and they are the we... leader itself uh, they, there's a sirlon leader yes which is even more disgusting <laughs>
1: I don't know why it's worse um, that he has a head at each end. And so therefore he has a superior intellect, intellect, sure. Intellect.
0: Definitely not going to say intellect.
1: (laughs) He's real smart. He's got one of them intellects. But the two headed ones are often leaders because of this. They have a, they're more intelligent, I guess. They're absolutely horrendous. Disgusting. I love it. I hate it. it's hate Disgusting. It. So it's we'll like, do a little. That's <laughs> the ahead.
0: most. That's the like highest honor you could pay a D and D monsters. Like, thank you. I hate it. It's amazing.
1: <laughs> it's so wonderful, but it is so disgusting. We'll do a do a little palate cleanse um two of the other things in there that i thought were absolutely amazing were the dragon editions. was the lunar dragons and the solar dragons being thrown in here like this mm-hmm. um i am a huge fan of the dragon part of dungeons and dragons that's kind of what the main draw was for me initially um lunar dragons are moon dragons or phase dragons um xenophobic creatures make their lairs inside desolate moons by burrowing into the rock so Any of the moons could have one of these guys just in there and someone might not know it might end up in a bad situation that way. Um, The females stock the lair with food. Um, They don't leave until their eggs hatch offspring are old enough to fend for themselves. Um, They're very like, again, the art in this is just amazing. Um, They're very, very pale alabaster white. Turning a darker gray as they age, they enjoy depriving creatures of treasure more than they enjoy the treasure themselves. So it's not about how much they get, it's about hurting people to do it. (laughs)
0: Like, it's not enough that I have it. I just like the fact that you don't.
1: (laughs) I like that you don't have it. Yes, exactly. Um, So they, let's see, often found among their treasure are one or more spell jamming helms. So, right there. Easy quick campaign, she says easy and quick. Um, right. Well, as far as like the... the
0: idea is easy yeah. and quick, but the go. execution an easy of idea. which <laughs> it
1: sounds and, terrible.
0: I mean, and that could be something that um like sort of um predates like uh a, an actual spell jammer campaign is mm-hmm. you know, you are living on this moon. And you want to, you, you and your friends want to become spell jammers. Yep. And so you have to go invade this lunar dragon's uh, lair to get a helm.
1: To, to steal a very specific one back because of whatever reason why it was better than all the others. Um, lunar dragon can also become incorporeal, but not that they can't, they can't actually pass through anything that way. So I thought that was kind of neat. Very cool. There. Yeah. They're, just again just very the artwork for them looks a little like the inside of a cave to me just like their body almost looks like it's covered in stalactites and stalagmites and
0: yeah the the artwork is a one in this book and
1: it is definitely top tier and that was something I. oh go ahead
0: I was gonna say I remember watching uh, uh, one of the official videos and I don't know, can't remember if it was Jeremy Crawford or someone, but they said that the the art budget for this set was a lot higher than normal. Like they really wanted to like convey like the idea and the attitude and the feel of spelljammer through this art and That's it really shows.
1: Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Um, so their counterpart would be solar dragons uh solar dragons or radiant dragon sun dragon is born in the heart of a star um divides its time
0: i don't i can't stand the look of this it does
1: it looks like it doesn't have skin i hate it i love it oh i love it so much this one i was like yep that's gonna happen It's going to be amazing. (laughs) Um, Serpentine style. They have like the real long serpentine body with a pair of ventral limbs ending in long giant fins. So they have these nebulous wings that give off light and gleaming multicolored scales. Um, So just the imagery is amazing as well. They can see clearly even in blinding bright light. Which, of course, you would be able to if you're born in a star. I would hope you'd be able to deal with being that close to a star, right? Because <laughs> that would be kind of messed up if not. Um, they're fond of treasure, but they value food even more, just because of being in the airless void of wild space. Um, typically, feed on. Uh, yeah, I would
0: say food is hard to com- harder to come by.
1: Yeah, out in the vacuum of space, yeah. probably. Like that's a safe bet. Um, typically, fate fade on feed on uh, kindori scavers and various other wildlife that live within the space um they aren't typically hostile because they will see a ship from far off think oh hey lunch is here um get over there realize it's not and veer off and veer away because they're not they're territorial and they do behave accordingly but they're not just outright violently aggressive which I well, thought yeah. was pretty cool
0: I love this it says that they tend to give a wide berth to humanoid folk whom they find violent and tiresome I mean mm-hmm. hard same solar dragon same. hard well, so maybe same that's
1: why I identified with it <laughs> I get it I totally get it um, yeah. yeah but they have the eggs I like that they describe the eggs as having an obsidian shiny black and opaque shell so that that and then as they it becomes translucent as they're hatching and then you know you can see them shining from within which was pretty fantastic um i like they uh so they're one of their legendary actions the blinding brilliance um causes it causes but it can cause uh being blinded um if you don't meet the uh, 23 wisdom save um, so it just kind of expands this massive 30-foot radiant sphere around itself and just blinds everything within it. So I thought those were pretty neat.
0: And both, then the t- I was going to say both very cool monsters. Oh, uh, yeah. Additions to the bestiary. Um, mm-hmm. However, one that it's, it's bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. I love it. You hate it.
1: I do. I hate it, but I love it at the same time, if that makes sense. Like, this is so horrifying. I like it.
0: But the I'm a horror space, nerd, so. A space clown.
1: Ugh, I hate them.
0: <laughs> space clowns are the inhabitants of a wild space system known as Clown Space. It is a, the system is a three, it has three ring-shaped worlds. It does. And they place their faith in a god of revelry. They initially got their first spell jamming helms from Doer uh, creatures, which are like penguin type creatures. Which, um, unfortunately, like, you know, they they said they wanted to make them a playable race, but they're already, they were already including so many. Like, they already have like, you know, six new ones. So uh, hopefully we'll see that either homebrew or official down the line for sure. Yeah. Um, So, marauding space clowns feed on humanoid flesh. They travel around space in these garishly decorated ships and sometimes take up residence on populated worlds where they set up carnival tents to lure curious onlookers into their clutches. Uh, very much inspired by killer clowns from outer space. Yep. Like this was yep. by is is 100% like we want to do something silly but also kind of scary and I mm-hmm. I feel like it can mm-hmm. be as, as silly or scary as you as you as the it DM can, wants.
1: It can very much be both. I had a I was reading through this cuz again, my favorite part of re, new released material is the monsters and the playable races and then the features and stuff that goes with those. Like that part is so amazing and I was trying to read through this without seeing the photo. <laughs> Uh,
0: my favorite aspect about them is what's known as a dying burst. When the clown drops to zero hit points, it pops like a balloon, uh, releasing a splash splash of putrid corrosive icker. Each creature within five feet of the clown when it bursts must make a DC twelve Dex saving throw, uh, taking three d six acid damage on a failed save, or half as much on a successful one. Uh, I mean. And we've already got um, folks on D and D Twitter saying that this this is it, juggalos in space. Let's go, which I love.
1: <laughs> oh, I did not even that didn't even click for me. The juggalos in space thing. I'm so glad you said that. That's amazing.
0: I, yeah, I, I love them so much. Space clowns, <laughs> it's fantastic. Clown space, come on,
1: clown space. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> That's a no-fly zone for me, but that's just, that's gonna be a no for me, dog. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, nope, I noped right out.
0: <laughs> that's gonna be so cool. And yeah, like I said, we're gonna cover more of the the monsters that are introduced in Spelljammer, as well as going mm-hmm. further in depth into the uh the the setting as a whole for our Patreon Plus installment. So if you're interested yes, in that, definitely. check check out uh patreon.com slash DD Lorecast. That being Absolutely. said, do you
1: have a magic item? I do. I have okay. a magic item for okay. you. Okay. I wasn't Ideas. sure, so I was Yeah, because it's again been a chaotic week right. for me over here. Um well, what now, I quick. have is, well, a, now, real quick, real quick. is a real okay.
0: That being said, Mary, what is our magic item of the week?
1: Our magic item of the week is a very is a simple thing that I thought would be It'd be kind of fun just to throw in there more for flavor text, I think, than anything else. But I love the role play aspect of it, too. Like, I, I love it. Um, what I have is a Tome of Memories. Now this Tome of Memory um, is a very special book that you have to have a really specific type of ink for, magic ink that you write in. You write your memories down in it, much like a journal, correct? Seems really plain, really basic. But what you can do is you can relive a memory from the book at any point in the future from it however once you've relived it it disappears from both the the book and from your memory
0: interesting
1: so you could keep a conversation with someone and listen to it one more time and then it'd be gone or it could be used as a so as somebody trying to prove a point like you're you're caught um and accused falsely of you know your rogue being a murder hobo well no no i have this memory here i can show you that he was in fact with me that night and no he did not set the entire parliament building on fire sounds
0: like something you would do though i mean i i me sounds like personally some, sounds like something one would do i right? that <laughs> that you slipped out apologies apologies that you slipped
1: out that's fair that's fair i have a paladin that's not real good at being a paladin she might she might
0: the tome of memories I like it a lot memories yeah and I love the I love uh items that like I said are more role play centric and mm-hmm. I love the ones especially when they show up and the the party it's like I don't know or whoever gets it like I don't have I have no idea how you would use this and then you know months down the line like oh wait i've got this thing i have
1: a thing i love that because nobody checks their inventory before a session like nobody does way down the line they'll remember that it's there like oh yes i can prove it to you
0: another excellent addition to the magic item of the week inventory
1: thank you thank you
0: that being said let's go ahead and wrap it up for yes. uh the week thank you so much for joining us uh you can find us like i said at dnd Lorecast on twitter uh the robots radio network discord we have our own text channel there we can talk to us you can email us dndlorecast at gmail.com all that stuff is in the in the show notes all those links all the mm-hmm, stuff we talked mm-hmm. about in the middle of the show yep. uh we're not hard to find we're not hard to find and if you want to talk dnd with us i mean that's that's yes please yeah it's your funeral because we will we will talk about it You'll talk your ear off about it for sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: My name is Sergio,
1: and I am Mary.
0: Fare thee well, dear listener, and until we meet again, may all your twenties be natural. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at dnd Lorecast, or jumping on the Robust Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll talk to you next time.
1: You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.